everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Adoption Adventures. I'm sure you missed me last week. Uh, I uh, It's a very, very busy time for me launching the, the new adopter um, voice in London and I've started a new job as well. I'm Ironically, we'll be doing an entire episode all on that because uh, there is a link. It's not direct to adoption, but it is a link to it. So I will be sharing all as soon as my feet are under the desk and dust has settled. Um, What I'm actually going to be talking to you about um, is last week I attended um, the Early Permanent and Modernising Adoption Conference. Um, this was something that was set up by uh, my regional agency, um, and it was a, a whole day for um, professionals, um, sort of family care workers. Essentially, um, I, I think the vast majority of the people that were in the room were. Um, I, I don't think that they count as frontline social workers, um, although I think that there were quite a few of those in the room. Um, But it was essentially the social workers that would be making the plans um, and making the proposals um, to the courts for our children. Um, And it was interesting because the day started and there was a lot of language around sort of positive work towards early permanence, um, lots of language around, you know, we should be on board with this. And it was it was in the first break that I went over to one of the social workers that I know and I said, oh, like, this seems a really weird sort of um, pitch. I said, because, you know, surely, surely you're, preaching to the converted in this scenario. Surely all of these people are already on board. Um, The social worker said, well, actually, not always. Um, Because the courts can um, cause some challenges or difficulties, um, social workers can, at times, um, again, be risk-averse to using that as a plan. Um, And there are... we had a barrister talking and the barrister was letting us know there were some complications within the law, some sort of challenges within the law um, that we or the professionals needed to be aware of and need to know how to work with. Um, So primarily um, the, the barrister was talking and explained that under the the Children's Act of 2014, um, something that was really important to to note was that a child needs to be um, placed within its immediate family. That needs to be the first plan. Um, Now, obviously, I'm paraphrasing. I am not using the exact legal terms there. Um, but what, what it was trying to indicate and what this barrister was trying to say was, you know, we, we can't, we can't say, oh, this would be better for the child if, if actually there is 
a family member that could look after the child, then that needs to be who the child is placed with. Now, that seems like sort of fairly straightforward logic. Um, but I guess it's got those added layers when it comes to early permanence because you aren't, if you're going for early permanence and you are the adopter, you aren't just sort of analysing and seeing how the birth parent is sort of working towards improvement. You're also openly aware that there could be other family members that come forward as well. Um, so I guess that adds a layer of risk or anxiety um, or all of the above, really. Um, so that that was very, very interesting. There were a couple of um, cases that she sort of talked about um, and, and shared some of her experiences with um, some of these. And they sounded truly challenging um, because there were quite a few sort of situations whereby people wanted to do the right thing, but the law clearly outlined what the right thing to do was. Um, and it was just about getting people to understand that, but not be afraid of it and, and to actually embrace that, um, which, you know, holds its own challenges. Um, now, as I was sat there, I was like, oh, this, this all sounds really, really great. What I think the room needs to do is they need to hear from an adopter who has gone through it and who has experienced it. Um, because whilst, um, a lot of, a lot of the vibe that I was getting was that social workers were just being a little bit cautious and I I was kind of sat back thinking mm, I don't think you're giving enough credit to adopters I think that if they are going forward with early permanence you can gear them up and you can train them to know that there are quote unquote risks involved um, and I'm going to clarify when I say risks actually there needs to be an understanding that the risk is that this child will move back home with their family and that you would have given them a good start. That's, I guess the risk is with regards to your emotions. Um, but if we can look at it like that, if we can understand that actually early permanence is about giving these children a fantastic start, that's what matters. Um, so as I say, I was, I was kind of sat back thinking, I, I believe that adopters are more resilient than you're giving them credit for. I think that we can handle these um, experiences. I think we could bounce back in that situation if you've trained us the right way. Um, and it's not for everyone. Of course it's not for everyone um, because some people would just openly admit that that would just be too too difficult from an emotional perspective for me um 
but I was, yeah, I was thinking, you know, I'd like to hear from some of the doctors who have been through it and that it didn't go to plan. Um, I'd like to hear that perspective. And it was almost like I had a genie in the room because up stood two adopters um, who wanted to share their story. Um, and they shared their story about how they had uh, gone through the process to um, go through early permits with a little boy. Um, and they were having regular contact with the birth mum, birth family. And the sessions were going really well. Um, they talked about how they kind of protected themselves. Um, they sort of explained, they sort of talked and spoke to all of the family and said, right, you need to know we are foster carers at present. We are not um, sort of parental titles. We are foster carers. Um, and they really, really pushed that to sort of lay lay the groundwork and use the right language in uh, in that space, um, which I thought was was really progressive, really sensible, um, because again, it's it's allowing you to keep a sensible distance whilst still offering a high level of care, you know. Um, they then said that whilst they were going through the contact sessions, they saw and they could see for themselves the work that Birthman was doing. And they would come away from those sessions and they would talk to one another and they would say, I think she's getting to a really good place. Um, and they sort of spoke it through and said, we think the likelihood is that she's going to demonstrate that she's actually made enough changes to warrant this, this child moving home. Um, now what they said from that was that it kind of... It, it built them up in a way whereby emotionally they could they can cope with that because they were seeing it for themselves and they were they were actually really impressed with what they were seeing. Sorry, ambulance coming through. Um and And it helped them to kind of put that together and say, okay, let's preempt this. Let's preempt the conversation. They said that they were having that conversation before even the social workers were talking to them about it because they'd just, they'd picked up on enough to, to let them know where this was going. Um, and they then started to look and analyse all of the positives there. Um, and they got excited about it, which I think was really, really wonderful to hear. Um, they got the little boy a, a leaving gift, um, and a card and a photo. 
they built a really strong relationship with the birth mum um, who was nothing but appreciative of their work um, and what they'd done over that period. There was no animosity there, um, or certainly not animosity that was displayed, um, but no animosity about what was going on. Um, she understood the process and she she rose to the occasion. She worked really hard to sort of get herself in the right place. Um, and she embraced when um, when the little boy moved back home with her, she kind of embraced it and did the return. Like she sort of got excited about the photo and sort of talked about it being displayed. And I don't think that they've maintained contact, but I think that she did actually reach out a couple of times and just sort of update them on how things were going. I don't think that that's maintained, but how wonderful to see it in the reverse. It's so easy to, and we've talked about this a million times, it's so easy to demonise birth parents when actually we can see, we can see so often that with the right alterations, changes, actually they can make a difference. And if we approach this in the right way, it actually is going to build those really strong connections. Um, when, uh, when their little boy moved out, they took some time to, to heal, um, to process, to work through that. Um, and they took time to ask themselves, do we want to do this again? Like, do, do we want to go through the early permanence route? Or was that just too hard? Um, they took some time thinking about that and they took some time out with their social worker and they came back and said, actually, yeah, we, do you know what? We think that we can. And social worker said, you know, just because it happened once, that doesn't mean that's it. You're one and done that the exact same thing could happen again. You need to be aware of this. And they both said that walking into it with their eyes wide open, they know that that could be what happens. And they were all right with it. They said, you know what? Worth it. Let's go for it. Um, and again, I think that is amazing. I think that is so incredibly brave, so incredibly powerful for everyone involved. Um, and so exciting. So that was really nice to hear. They went through the process again and they they did it exactly the same way. Um, this time it was a little girl and they approached it the exact same way with their family, with their friends, with each other. And they maintained, we are foster carers, we are going to support this, we're gonna sort of support the process. Um, and they did. And they found that it was really beneficial. And then over time, 
they again did the contact, did all of the work, and it was deemed that that child would stay with them. And they have now gone through the process of formally adopting their daughter. They said that the challenge at that stage was to then start changing their names um, and start giving themselves the parental names um, and start realizing that oh this isn't this isn't a temporary thing this is this is for good um, and they said that they found that a little bit weird to start with but they really enjoyed it um, and they're settling into their lives and it's all going really well and and that I found really wonderful truly powerful that they could share that story and share that experience um, and, and demonstrate to a room of people that might want to apply some caution, demonstrate to that room, actually, you don't need to be as cautious as you're currently being. We, we understand risks and we're, we're there for it. Um, I, I don't know if it's something I could do. Um, I, I don't know if that's within my nature, within my character. Um, but what I do know is the early permanence um, training that I'm seeing across, across all the areas that I work with, and obviously there's a lot of areas that I don't work with. Um, but what I am seeing is um, there's a lot of work going into sort of training adopters um, and really, really laying it on quite thick about the the risks to let people know, you know, I, I don't want you starting this with any misconceptions here. I want you to know what you're actually up against. And I think that that's really good, really important. And I don't think that that should reduce um, I think that I'd much prefer to have less early permanence adopters available than less prepared adopters available. Um, and I think it's it's really good to see. Um, I, I was in a, a training session um, a little while ago, and I don't know if I've shared this with you, um, but I was in, in the room and we were talking about early permanence and um, one of the sort of adopters in the room said, oh, you know, what are, like, do you have any stats? Do you have any percentages or anything like that on how many of these children are likely to go back to their birth families? Um, and the social worker, the, the response that, that they had was fantastic. The social worker said, there are stats for everything. However, if you're the type of person that needs to play the numbers, early permanence is probably not for you. Because if it is one in a thousand children that go back home, but you're the one, the stats didn't matter, did they? 
Oh, do you know what? That is really, really, really good. Um, and a, a great approach to that to that question. Um, what was interesting in this room is um, later in the day we had a, a, a panel opportunity and there was um, some Q and A's put put to the group. Um, one particular manager um, was talking about early permanence and talked about how they had three early permanence breakdowns and they wanted to understand how to manage those and how to i think she was talking about how to report them and then how to support um, adopters during these breakdowns and again i was sort of like dancing in my chair going no i'm not i'm not I'm not happy, not happy, this is the wrong language. Um, and I wanted to say something, but then the sort of like the head, the executive head of the regional agency called this manager out on it and said, actually, I don't think you are using the right language there. And I think over the course of the entire day, this is exactly what we are talking about. Early permanence, when a child moves back home that is not an adoption breakdown that is a reunification and it's actually a positive it's challenging don't get me wrong it is challenging and i i, I cannot stress that enough but it's what what we'd like to see because it means that all of the right people, all, all of the people are doing the right things. So, yeah, so this manager called him out and said, no, no, it's a re reunification, it is not a breakdown. And we cannot start using the term breakdown because that's got a whole other host of connotations. Um, so that was, that was very interesting to see to to witness um that then uh yeah the the day we carried on um really really good chat um we had a phd student talking about her um research into um sort of into contact um and looking at what what that looked like um her pool of research was quite small which which i think was a challenge with regards to her her findings which she has not publicized yet um so i can't share any of those details um but yeah she gave an interesting um discussion we then had a group um talk to us Um, about contact and they were talking about the SAMSI model. Um, now the SAMSI model, I've essentially I've been talking about um, S-A-M-C, uh, safe and meaningful contact. They, there's a model that is 
sort of being promoted um, and being worked through and they are talking about how to ensure that the contact that we are having and engaging in is safe and meaningful. Now, obviously, I've talked about this a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot, so I will not be going fully into it because you know exactly where we're at. SAMC, however, is something really worth having a look at. Um, it's, it's a really good model. And it's basically um, what what this what the concept is, from my understanding, is that they work to um, sort of glean intelligence and have a model whereby they are looking at who is in, invested in it and how that is turning out. Um, and there's like a, a traffic light system to see what the needs are and how those needs are indeed being met. Um, it talks an awful lot about openness um, and whether birth parents are open to contact and whether adopters are open to contact. It then looks at the child and says, what does that child actually need? And is our response meeting that need um and again like i say we I, i've talked about this a lot um so I'm, I'm not gonna sort of like delve too deeply into this but it was really interesting to see again it was it's lovely to see that we're sort of able to analyze that um in a broader stroke really which is really cool um the I was um, I was offered an opportunity to talk about our findings, and they was very much what I shared with you on contact as well. Um, but it was it was nice to sort of like start start sharing that with a wider audience. I was asked the question of when adopters have that first meeting with the birth families. When should that be? When, when should we be doing this? Um, at what stage? My response and my view is that this needs to be happening ASAP, the, as early as possible, possibly even before the child has moved in. Um, like, let's, let's rip that Band-Aid off. Let's get, get those contact sessions or get that sort of meeting happening. Um, Let's do it before the adoption order has gone through. I was talking to a social worker and they said, you know, quite often once the adoption order has gone through, then adopters find themselves less less inclined. Not all, like, but that's when adopters sort of might go, oh, maybe I just won't do that. I feel a bit uncomfortable. They do it in the middle of that process or at the start of that process. They've got a lot of support there to help them through um, and to do, I don't mean this patronising, but to do the hand-holding that's needed and to offer that support. Say, so, you know, how did you find that? But at that point, you've got a named social worker. So use them. Go and have these meetings and and use, use those meetings to 
learn as much as you can and to break as many barriers as you possibly can. That's, uh, yeah, that's definitely my advice. And that was my answer there. Um, so, yeah, so that's, um, that's how that all went. Um, found it really interesting, found it really fascinating. So that's, yeah, it's, it's all been, it's all been cool. Um, so that is it from me for this week. I will be back next week. Um, it might be about the new, the new post. Um, we don't know yet. Uh, but yeah. Um, thank you as always for tuning in and having a listen. It's so, so lovely to be able to share this with you. Um, and I will speak to you again next week. <laughs>